Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I'm your host, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with a special guest, will be celebrating and awarding our favorite films each year, starting in 1928 and going onward. We will discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate and comment on the actual Oscar year and some fun details on the ceremony. A few key rules we always follow. We'll be strictly following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes too. The amount of categories will also grow over time as a sort of tie into the Academy's evolution over time. My guests today, uh, my guests today are going to be Andrew Fraser and Kaylee. Hi, um, Andrew and Kaylee. Welcome to this podcast. How are you both doing today? Um, pretty good. I it's been kind of a slow Sunday, busy work week, but pretty good. Lovely to be here, Gabe. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to have you both on, and I'm excited to talk about this year. Today we are going to be talking about the films of 1944. And I think a good place to start would be to ask, what were your favorite films from this year that were not eligible? This can be any film that was, that was released in 1944, but was not on so reminder list of eligible releases for this particular ceremony. So I was really disappointed that To Have or Have Not was not eligible because I really enjoyed it. I was like, damn it, I didn't read the rules carefully enough. I would have nominated it for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that would probably have That's been a good movie. Yeah, that would have been my answer as well, I think. Yeah, that's a that's a really good movie, and the first uh, pairing of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Exactly, like you have an iconic couple, kind of, you know, sc- this legendary screen couple, and their chemistry just works so well. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to nominate them for all the awards," and then it's like, "Can't do that." <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, yeah, that's the reason why I'm like so hawkish with rules because I don't know. I just it's just a personal thing. I don't know, but yeah, it's a great movie, and I I wish I could have been able to nominate this year, but it does make a few appearances um, in 1945. And another one I wanted to mention. Um, well, not that they were my favorites, but there were Henry V by Laurence Olivier. Yeah. Which was a Best Picture nominee when it became eligible for Academy Awards. And then there's National Velvet, which was um, a fairly sizable award, no, Oscar contender the following year. I also wanted to bring up Murder My Sweet, which is a yeah. great early Philip Marlowe, um, Raymond Chandler adaptation. Dick Powell is excellent as Philip Marlowe. Claire Trevor is also really good. Yeah, she's fantastic. 1944 was a great year from Noirs, Noirs, however you pronounce that, I think. Just yeah. a really great year for femme fatales and hard boiled men and all that jazz. Yeah. It really was. So, 
now it's time to start announcing our nominees. And we start with, as usual, we start with the last category, special best and end with the first best picture. And we usually take turns announcing our nominees with the guests going first. So, Andrew, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll take it away. Um, so my nominees for best special effects would be in 1944, um, Bathing Beauty, Lifeboat, Since You Went Away, The Uninvited, and Wing in a Prayer. Mm. Um, so my nominees were, uh, Let's see, sorry, I'm pulling up my ballot. Should have had that up already. Uh, so my nominees were um, Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, and then actually I had a hard time filling out my ballot for this just because movies I've seen this year are a little bit more limited than I'd like, but I also included Arsenic and Old Lace. Um, and then Gaslight, none of which have like what we think of as super impressive special effects, but I nominated them. Yeah, admittedly, um, special effects at the time are much were much different from what we think of as special effects nowadays. But yeah, so my nominees are a guy named Joe. Lifeboats, Since You Went Away, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, and The Uninvited. Great. So next we have Best Film Editing. All right, I can take that one away. Um, so my nominees for Best Film Editing uh, would be Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Maybe in St. Louis, and the miracle of Morgan's Creek. So mine was pretty similar, except for instead of the miracle of Mormon's Creek, I did since you went away. But I also had double indemnity, gaslight, Laura, meet me in St. Louis, and then since you went away, I actually yes. Right. And I think I have the same list of nominees for editing as Andrew. Double indemnity, gaslight, Laura, meet me in St. Louis, and the miracle of Morgan's Creek. Great. I think it's like quite a strong year um, for this category, particularly I feel like um, with the nominees out of this, like it was a competitive field. I feel yeah. like Laura and Double Indemnity's editing stands up, you know, against pretty much any editing of this sort of era uh, in particular. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's insane that neither of them were actually nominated for editing. Yeah, well, there was, there was some interesting uh, choices this year, as I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> choices were made. <laughs> yeah. Like Janie, um, a musical, I think, that nobody talks about. And then there's None But the Lonely Hearts, Going My Way, Wilson. Saying that Going My Way, I know this is getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but that it sweeps yeah. the Oscars when no one watches it these days. <laughs> going yeah. my way. Um, I'm sure they're out there. 
And just as there are fans of Wilson, we'll get into more of that later, but yeah. <laughs> mm. So next we have the cinematography categories. Sure. I'll start with color cinematography. Okay, so uh, my nominees for best color cinematography are Bathing Beauty, Cover Girl, Kismet, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Wilson. Uh, so I, um, I, so I have Meet Me St. Louis, Wilson, and Cover Girl, and actually. I didn't finish Wilson and CoverGirl uh, just because life's been busy, which is why it's not logged on my letterbox. But what I did see, the color cinematography was very impressive. So it's pretty similar to Andrew's. <clears throat> so my nominees are An American Romance, CoverGirl, Meet Me in St. Louis, The Princess and the Pirate, and Wilson. Lovely. Um, yeah. Oh. oh, I was just going to jump into black and white, but um, don't let me cut you off. <laughs> oh, that's fine. So, yeah, I guess uh, regarding an American romance, I imagine that it's pretty obscure nowadays. And I was fairly intrigued by the fact that it was directed by King Vidor and about this particular subject. And yeah. Oh, and it looks gorgeous. Have either of you seen it? No, I didn't get to that one. I'm not even. I wasn't even very uh, across it. Uh, so next we have black and white cinematography. Yeah. So my nominees uh, for best black and white cinematography are Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Lifeboat, and The Uninvited. Mine are pretty similar, um, pretty much exactly the same, um, except uh, I didn't include Lifeboat, which I still have yet to see, but uh, seemed to be quite popular in your guys' ballots. So that's definitely going to be something I will check out in the future. Yeah, Lifeboat is an underrated Hitchcock movie, which I guess I'll talk more about when we get to the screenplay nominees, but Watch out for it. <laughs> so my nominees are Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Lifeboat, and The Uninvited. So next we have Best Makeup. Great. So for Best Makeup, I have Arsenic and Old Lace, Cover Girl, Kismet, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Mr. Skeppington. Uh, I have uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, Gaslight, Cover Girl, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Laura, mostly for Jean Tierney, but um, I, I just love the way they did her makeup in that movie, so I nominated it. <laughs> My nominees are Arsenic and Old Lace, Lifeboat, Meet Me in St. Louis, Mr. Skeffington, and The Princess and the Pirate. Beautiful. Yes. So next we have best costume design. Sure. So for best costume design, I have Cover Girl, Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, 
and Meet Me in St. Louis. I have CoverGirl, Gaslight, Meet Me in St. Louis, Arsenic and Old Lace, and then Laura. Very good set of nominees. I really like the mentions for Double Indemnity and Laura. Mm. Like, the passion for those film noirs. Femme fatales, really? man, you know? Just gotta yeah. look sharp if you're gonna be enticing men to their death. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the fashion in film wars may not even have been obvious to audiences in 1944, but they have endured so strongly in the years and decades since, since then. Definitely, and particularly both of those films and their use of black and white, um, the costume design is so important, you know, not only just for, you know, how the colors come across, but um, the different sort of textures and the, you know, use of contrasts, um, I think is incredibly well deployed in both of those films. I agree. Yeah. I also, it tells you about the character, right? So you have, uh, for example, Barbara Stanwyck's character in Double Indemnity and you have the sunglasses and you have, you know, what she wears and they all kind of signify her as more of this modern dangerous kind of alluring woman and you see similar with Jean Cherney and Laura and the costume design should be doing you know I think 50% of the work in establishing okay this is at first glance this is the character this is what she represents this is who she is as an immediate kind of signal to the audience yeah absolutely true so my nominees are Cover Girl, Gaslight, Jane Eyre, Meet Me in St. Louis, and The Princess and the Pirate. Nice. So next we have Best Art Direction. Great. So for Best Art Direction, I have Cover Girl, Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, and meet me in St. Louis. So art direction was interesting because I never really think about it um, that much as opposed to say cinematography or, well, I guess art direction would be cinematography. Dang, okay, here we go. But I got Gaslamp, Gaslight, Laura, meet me in St. Louis and Since You Went Away for my nominees. Good set. So mine are Gaslight, Jane Eyre, Laura, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Since You Went Away. We all kind of have, I think, a similar mind of a lot of these. I'm curious once we get yeah. to like best actor, best screenplay. Mm. Yeah. But they are all very worthy and make uh, and have very striking visual look. I agree. So next we have best sound recording, which was basically sound mixing in 1944. Sure thing. So best sound recording, I have Arsenic and Old Lace, Double Indemnity, Lifeboat, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Wing and a Prayer. I have Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Since You Went Away, and Arsenic and Old Lace. I have 
Arsenic and Old Lace, Double Indemnity, Hail the Conquering Hero, Lifeboat, and Meet Me in St. Louis. Meet Me in St. Louis was actually kind of my sixth one. I was like, hmm. I, I, was, I, was, I was like, I, I probably should have put it on there, but it was teetering on the edge for me. Yeah, and it is that Douglas Shearer overlapping music, dialogue, musical, sound. Yes. Mm. Likewise for me, I think Hail the Conquering Hero and um, Miracle of Morgan's Creek were probably teetering on the edge. Yes, Miracle of Morning, that was the other one that was like, hmm. Uh, I think for me, I think Meet Me in St. Louis is such a well done musical, but I was kind of thinking, you know, am I giving it too much credit because it does, that's like, am I plotting it in there just because it's a musical? Probably was overthinking it though. Uh, yeah, musicals are very popular with the Academy. No, I mean, Sometimes, it's a great musical, but I meant more for scoring and sound um, uh, recording. I was just, I was like, I was probably. I meant, I meant, um, music, uh, I meant to say that musicals uh, do tend to be popular in the sound category at the Academy. That's what I meant to say. Ah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think, you know, because musicals have to be more impressive with sound just because of their genre. But, you know, overthinking it, it's like, does the Academy maybe automatically slot them in? Giving them a slot, I don't know. Yeah, fair enough points. I mean, sometimes you get a Bohemian Rhapsody, which... <laughs> True. The less said about <laughs> Yeah, I think we're collectively trying to, like, Keep that blocked out of our minds, <laughs> like some form of trauma. The Wilson of its day. No, <laughs> I'm joking. Poor Wilson. So next we have best song. Okay, so for best original song, I have "Going My Way" from "Going My Way," "Swinging on a Star" from "Going My Way." The Boy Next Door from Meet Me in St. Louis, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Meet Me in St. Louis, and The Trolley Song from Meet Me in St. Louis. Which... Yep. Yep. I had all those three songs from Meet Me in St. Louis too. And then, um, yeah, those were kind of like, I think Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was partic in particular, I think, just a great song. Yeah. Um, it means St. Louis is full of bops and catchy bangers, <laughs> so I could have nominated more than two, but uh, my nominees are Going My Way from Going My Way, the title track, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Me and St. Louis, Long Ago and Far Away from Cover Girl, Swinging on a Star from Going My Way, and The Trolley Song from Me and St. Louis. Yeah, lots of crossover. I, I think the um, contenders for that one kind of speak for themselves. Yeah. So next we have best original score. Okay, so best original score, I have Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Jane Eyre, Laura, and Since You Went Away. Mine are pretty similar, except I also have Arsenic 
in Old Lace, um, I think it sets up the screw screwball kind of of the film pretty well. Very good nominees. So mine are Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Jane Eyre, Laura, and Sensual Away. I did strongly consider our Seneca Old Lace and um, The Uninvited. Ooh. So next we have Best Cartoon Short Film. I'm going to be honest, I have not seen any cartoon short films from this era. So. Yeah. No, no, I'm <laughs> very sorry. <laughs> so I'll just list my nominees. Please. And, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Streets, How to Play Football, Mouse Trouble, and Swooner Crooner. So next we have Best Foreign Film. I also really, yeah, I, I don't think I got to any um, international films from this year either. So I did sit this one out as well, I'm afraid, which I'm not very proud of, but. Um, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I have one nominee, which was A Canterbury Tale, uh, which I really liked. Uh, Powell, Press Program Powell also directed one of my favorite films, The Red Shoes. Um, and I thought this was, I would have nominated it had it been eligible uh, for other awards, for other awards as well. I really enjoyed it. That's good. Um, so my nominees are The Children Are Watching Us From Italy, Ivan the Terrible Part One from Soviet Union, and Maria Condelaria from Mexico. Oh. So next we have Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay, so Best Adapted Screenplay, I have Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Since You Went Away. This is such a strong, um, this is such a strong category. Um, I had Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Since You Went Away, and I think, you know, when you look at them all in there, comparative genres the scripts are all just extremely strong like this is probably maybe the best category out of the ballot yeah definitely and i have the same five nominees double indemnity gaslight laura maybe in st louis and since you went away since you went away you know it's so interesting we have the kind of the noirs uh, we have the musical we and then we have sort of this more kind of a little bit of a romantic drama but it's just so interesting how each of the just to think of the way in which scripts can be considered good compared to their genre like with the noirs it's how well they build up suspense with the romantic drama it's how well they use dialogue to communicate to us how the characters are feeling and relating to each other and i just think you know all five of these just fantastic job yeah, there's definitely some old timers amongst this sort of group. Definitely. I especially like the, um, just the presence of Sensio in a way, which I think stands out for just being a unique 
um, sort of wartime movie that focuses on the female perspective. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, it's a little bit more, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm not a scholar of necessarily how critics see 1944, but I think it's a little bit more obscure for that reason, because it's so focused on women's perspectives as opposed to some of these other films which feature female characters, but it's still very much situated such as Double Indemnity where the man is still the, our POV character, you know? Definitely. So next we have Best Original Screenplay. Great, so for Best Original Screenplay, I have Going My Way, Hail the Conquering Hero, Lifeboat, The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, and Wing and a Prayer. I nominated The Miracle of Mor Morgan's Creek. <laughs> So, um, my nominees are An American Romance, A Guy Named Joe, Hailed Conquering Hero, Lifeboat, and The Miracle of Morgan Street. Interesting. I hope I don't piss off any fans of these movies, but interesting, this category is much weaker, I think, than the other one. Yeah, it's not necessarily a stat, even though I like all these movies. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that says anything maybe about the movie making of the time or i don't know i guess it does <laughs> <laughs> who knows <laughs> like the like original screenplay was for the most part a wasteland back in the 40s <laughs> so and well, i blame a lot of that on the motion picture story category i have a theory about that sorry if i'm being long-winded um I have a theory that, you know, in the 1940s, we were, it was smack in the middle of the Hays Code, right? As opposed to um, written works, which didn't have to conform to the same restrictions. So I think with original screenplays, you get maybe less of these kind of spicy, more interesting elements, as opposed to adapting from books where you can kind of maybe sneak it in a little bit more. That's a fair theory. So, um, next we have Supporting Actress. Nice. All right. So, Supporting Actress, I have um, Tallulah Bankhead in Lifeboat, Angela Lansbury in Gaslight, Diana Lynn in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, Hattie McDaniel in Since You Went Away, and Margaret O'Brien in Meet Me in St. Louis. So actually, um, I did Josephine Hall, Arsenic and Old Lace, Angela Lansbury, Gaslight, Diana Lynn, The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, Jennifer Jones, Since You Went Away, and I nominated Shirley Temple, but actually Hattie McDaniel, I think, if there was a way of tying them, which I don't think there is, would also be, I think, Since You Went Away has an extremely strong ensemble for women. Definitely. So my nominees are Josephine Hall in Arsenic and Old Lace, Angela Lansbury in Gaslight, Dinah Lynn in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, Jessica Tandy in Seventh Cross, and Jennifer Jones in Sensual Away. So next we have Best Supporting Actor. All right, great. So my nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Joseph Cotton in Gaslight, William Demarest in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, Vincent Price in Laura, Claude Rains in Mr. Skeppington, 
and Edward G. Robinson in Double Indemnity. So I had Eddie G. Double Indemnity, William Demarest, Miracle Morgan's Creek, Clifton Webb, Laura, Vincent Price, Laura, and Monty Woolley, since you went away. This was a strong year for supporting after. Mm. Even the ones I left off, like Claude Rains and uh, the Winterberry Fitzgerald, were very good. Yeah. As was Monty Woolley. Yeah, I also think there's a lot, of, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but um, sometimes figuring out category placement um, for a lot of these performances was challenging. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't care that much about category fraud, but I understand why some people are. Yes. But my nominees are Edward G. Robinson in Double Indemnity, William Demarest in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, Clifton Webb in Laura, Vincent Price in Laura, and Hume Cronin in The Seventh Cross. Lovely. Yeah, I think, I think this is a really strong category. It is. So next we have Best Actress in the Leading Role. Awesome. So um, my nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role are Ingrid Bergman in Gaslight, Judy Garland in Meet Me in St. Louis, Betty Hutton in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity, and Jean Tierney in Laura. So I had Barbara Stanwyck, Double Indemnity, Ingrid Bergman, Gaslight, um, Claudette Colbert, since you went away, Jean Tierney, um, Tierney, Laura, and then Judy Garland, Meet Me in St. Louis. This was a strong year, again. Like, mm -hmm. I had to make some tough cuts, like Claudette Colbert and Judy Garland. But my nominees are Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity, Ingrid Bergman in Gaslights, Joan Fontaine in Jane Eyre, Betty Hutton in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, and Talona Bankhead in Lifeboat. Eddie Hutton was like such a close six. Um, yeah, this was a really strong category. Yeah, yeah it is a brilliant category. Um, a number of like excellent, excellent performances this year. Yeah. And in particular, two top performances that get debated over today, mm. which we'll get to. Yes. Um, so next we have. Oh, yeah, I'm going to jump into Best Actor. If that oh, yeah. Best so Actor in a Leading Role. Best Actor, my nominees are Dana Andrews in Laura, Charles Boyer in Gaslight, Eddie Bracken in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity, and Clifton Webb in Laura. So um, my nominees were Cary Grant, Arsenic and Old Lace, Charles Boyer in Gaslight, Dana Andrews, Laura, Joseph Cotton, Since You Went Away. And even though I said on Twitter he has a punchable face, I did nominate Fred McMurray, Double Indemnity, so you cannot accuse me of being a hater. Um, I did think it was a very strong performance. <laughs> He yeah. just has a really like punchable face. I'm sorry. He may oh, have been a nice guy. It's what it is. Um, you could say that, but I do think it is what 
makes him compelling in a way, especially when he's playing like a villain in the apartment. Yes, and I also think it works for Double Indemnity because he's supposed to be kind of a worm a little bit. They're yeah, both he's the guy you love to hate and hate yeah, to love. Yeah, so it works. You hate him, but you keep coming back to him. Exactly. So my nominees are Cary Grant in Arsenic and Old Place, Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity, Charles Boyer in Gaslight, Eddie Bracken in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, and Spencer Tracy in The Seventh Cross. I thought this category was a little less strong than Best Actress, but that happens a lot, honestly, in Oscar races. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I would agree with that sentiment. I think generally it is always, particularly, you know, if we're talking in a modern context, um, there's obviously a lot of chat around the uh, recent years of Best Actor and how it yeah. But I do think this year was quite um, a strong year, personally, um, in the films that I saw. It was also just a bit of working out certain character, oh, sorry, category um, placements, but again, it's not the biggest issue. Yeah. I agree. So next we have Best Director. Great. So my nominees for Best Director are Billy Wilder for Double Indemnity, George Kukor for Gaslight, Otto Preminger for Laura, Vincent Minnelli for Meet Me in St. Louis and Preston Sturgis for The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Mine were Billy Wilder, Double Indemnity. I think it was pretty close to yours. George Cukor, Gaslight, Otto Preminger, Laura, Vincent De Minnelli, Meet Me in St. Louis, and Preston Sturgis, Miracle of Morgan's Creek. And I think I have the same five. Billy Walder, George Cukor, Otto Preminger, Vincent Minnelli, and Preston Sturges. Yeah, I think this is an all-timer lineup as well. I think, all at least um, the five that I've selected, I think are all really brilliant examples of direction. Mm -hmm. And in very different ways, too. Yeah. And arguably among their most iconic films for all these directors. Yes. Mm. I mean, something like for Preston Surges, like people might think more about Sullivan's Travels or The Lady Eve, but The Miracle of Morgan's Creek is just an undeniable delight. Oh, and it's then, so good. It's so, so good. And a brilliant example of comedy direction, you know, which is often something that isn't recognized by awards bodies, but yeah, is one of the hardest um, styles of direction to pull off successfully. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I noticed um, he has his own very, the style, I think. And even though he's not quite the same canonized director as the other four, I would say, he's still, I think, an example of someone, as you said, with a style extremely hard to replicate. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So next we have the, be the big one, Best Picture. Great, lucky last, best picture. I have Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Meet Me in St. Louis, and The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. 
So this category was so hard. Um, I ended up doing Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Since You Went Away, and Arsenic and Old Blaze. But there was um, Meet Me, the Miracle Morgan's Creek, and Meet Me in St. Louis were very close runner-ups. Since You Went Away probably might have been my sixth. Mm -hmm. I did consider it for a lot of uh, more categories, like technicals and some more acting and direct, even director and picture. It's a little like, bit more, I think, a little more stayed, step subdued than the others. Uh, but it kind of hit the boxes for me personally. So maybe yeah. a little bit of bias coloring that. It is very underrated. Yeah. And deserves and more. I, I was kind of rethinking from the ballot I sent earlier. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put the ones I really, you know, I'm just going to put my personal ballot rather than necessarily what I think was maybe objectively the best. Yeah. Which is what alternate ballots are all about. Like picking your favorites. <laughs> yes. So my nominees are Double Indemnity, Gaslight, Laura, Meet Me in St. Louis, and The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Amazing. I think that's a great... I mean, I know we share the <laughs> same <laughs> top five, so it's probably a bit ridiculous for me to be like, that's an excellent selection. But I, I, I do really love this group because I, I think it's a, you know, across sort of styles and genres, but also representing the artists um, in the films and the creators of the films' bodies of work. Like, um, as a lineup of films, I think it's a really excellent, eclectic bunch. Yeah, uh, as we said before, like 1944 was actually pretty strong when you look at the breadth of films. Yeah, I think the consensus like quickly forms around um, a couple being sort of the strongest. Um, but there were some, yeah, really nice discoveries in there. Um, it was interesting kind of going back and obviously it's such an, an important year in history. Um, it's interesting sort of seeing those films removed from their context now um, and just appreciating them um, without the social aspects. And um, yeah, there was a lot to love. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. So, it's now time to announce our winners. Brilliant. Oh, yay. So, as usual, we'll start with the last category, ending with the first special effects to picture and we take turns announcing our winners with the guest going first you know the drill great so my winner for best special effects um is lifeboat i think it's relatively um you know self-explanatory in that the entire 
film takes place um, on a lifeboat, you know, shot in a studio with rear projection. And um, it's a feat that they really do pull off. And whilst, you know, maybe at the start it is a little distracting, the sort of artificial nature of it, I think that subsides very, very quickly and it um, actually really supports the piece. Um, the effects are obviously very integral to the storytelling, super practical and would have been a logistical nightmare, um, but were a great example of what a master of um, direction Hitchcock was. And I think um, for the time, a very deserving winner. So I did for best special effects, um, I did Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, and I think it was, for me, it's a little bit hard to kind of give an eloquent explanation such so you did set because of special effects, but I do think the effects in the story, it's beautiful and it really contributes well to the story. So that's why I picked it. So my winner is also Lifeboat for the reasons Andrew just stated. So next we have Best Film Editing. Fantastic. So my winner for Best Film Editing would be Double Indemnity. Um, I think one of you know, the best edited films maybe ever. Um, a great example of, you know, sort of tension and just brilliant sort of storytelling. Um, yeah, I loved it. I also uh, awarded Double Indemnity. Laura was a really close second. I think that film noirs from that era had maybe some of the best editing of that era, also maybe of ever, just because not only were many of them, not necessarily Double Indemnity, but many film noirs shooting from a lower budget, but they were also needing to use the editing and their creativity in order to create suspense and drama because they couldn't always rely on depicting certain things because of the Hayes Code. And as Andrew, you said, the editing is just top tier, the way it's paced, the way it, it, it you know, builds up, the way it, it, it showcases certain moments. Just, yes, one of the best, I think, edited films of all time. And I strongly considered giving it to double indemnity, but I went with The Miracle of Morgan's Greek. I think that's a great choice. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's one of the classic examples for me of like comedy editing, like screwball comedy, like that very tight, concise, rapid fire cutting and just keeping the comedy light on its feet and fast paced. But all these nominees are excellent. So yeah. Next we have the cinematography categories, starting with color cinematography. Great. So um, my winner for Best Color Cinematography is Meet Me in St. Louis. Same. I think it's kind of self-explanatory, but yes, I have the same winner. And I have the same 
again, pretty self-explanatory. Um, not much discussion to add. It's very vibrant, colorful. Yeah, it's um incredibly expressive cinematography and the colors are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and yeah, compared with the um, production design, it's um, just a really stunning film to look at. So next we have best makeup. Um, so my winner for best makeup is um, Mr. Skeffington. Um, it's, you know, a bit of a classic makeup winner and it's uh, use of old age makeup. But um, I think it was really well executed and very memorable. Um, my winner for best makeup would probably be CoverGirl. Uh, I just think it's done really well. I really like it. And my winner would be Arsenic and Old Place. Mainly ah, for, that's a good one. Yeah, mainly for what they did with uh, Raymond Massey's character. Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually, yeah, that would be close second for me. And fun fact. Uh, his character was originally played by Boris Karloff in the Broadway production. Oh, I did not know that. So next is best costume design. Wait, did we do black and white cinematography? Oh, wait, I think we forgot that. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, black and white cinematography. Let's get that out of the way. Okay, so my winner for best black and white cinematography is a hard one because I you know, really think there's a lot of great options here. Um, but ultimately, I did go with Double Indemnity. Uh, I went with Laura, but Double Indemnity would have been a close second. I also went with Laura with Double Indemnity as a close second. So now it's best costume design. Okay, so my winner for best costume design is Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, mine, I think, was also... Um... Let me, one second. I, I was actually, I was kind of, I had kind of a, I was actually going to give it to Gaslight, but Meet Me in St. Louis, I think would also be my winner, but they're very, very close. And my winner is also Meet Me in St. Louis. One simply cannot deny the power of Irene Sharaf. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular design. Yeah. So next we have best art direction. Okay, so my winner for best art direction is Gaslight. Mine was uh, Laura. Good choices. My winner is Gaslight. Yeah, I think another really competitive 
category, um, particularly with a lot of very memorable um, set pieces and prop work. And it's really hard, like with a category like this, because, you know, the like work on a set is so, there are so many different departments and then it all has to be condensed under, um, you know, one category. But um, I think all the nominees that everyone shared, um, a lot of them would have made very deserving winners. Yeah, there's something to the, uh, there is something to the, like, MGM Cedric Gibbons look with mm -hmm. both Gaslight and Double Indemnity and countless other classics he designed for MGM. And the fact that MGM was, like, rate, the reigning supreme of movie studios in the golden age of Hollywood, they were renowned for just having the biggest stars and just the A-list everything, the top of the tops. But yeah. So next we have best sound recording. Okay, so my winner um, for best sound recording is Meet Me in St. Louis. Mine was a uh, double indemnity. My winner is also double indemnity. Uh -huh. Huh. So next we have best song. Okay, so my winner for best original song was Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas from Meet Me in St. Louis. My winner is also Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas for Meet Me in St. Louis. And thirded, I think it's just such an iconic song. And even though I don't usually like Christmas music, it's just, you know, it's it's like Mariah Carey. You've got to give respect to the Christmas greats, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her, all I want for Christmas is you speaking of Mariah Carey is like perfect. Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's Christmas, it's everything you want in the Christmas song, it's sentimental, it's, it's like warm, it's just, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. So next we have Best Original Score. Um, so my winner for Best Original Score um, is Laura. Man, that's also my winner. <laughs> And Laura is also my winner. Wait, sorry, that might my, my for some reason my phone's going off, so sorry if you're hearing my text. <laughs> my grandma yeah, wants to know if we want anything from the pet store. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. think Laura is so strong on the technical elements. Yeah, definitely. And the score by David Raxon is basically a standard for full war. Yes, agreed. And again, with like 13 nominees at the time in score, it's a crime that uh, Laura was not among one of them. Seriously a crime. Like the Academy's prejudice against film noir, just, yeah, insane. Yeah, not nominating Laura for Best Picture, double indemnity gets blanked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, 
next we have best cartoon short film, which I believe both of you are going to sit out on. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just gave it to Mouse Trouble. Well, very nice. Take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. So next yeah, I we have. You. Yeah. So next we have best foreign film. Take it away. Um, I chose Maria Candeloria. I chose the one I nominated, which was Canterbury Tale. One out of one. First place. So, next we have Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay, so my winner for Best Adapted Screenplay is Double Indemnity. Uh, mine was, this was very hard, but mine is also Double Indemnity, but I really wanted to give to Laura but Double Indemnity. And my winner is also Double Indemnity. I considered Laura, but Double Indemnity is, like, undeniable. Yeah, I'm two of the greatest writers of all time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and um, adapting a James M. Kane novel... Like, and James M. Cain would provide the source material for a, a classic from next from next year. Oh. So stay tuned for that. I won't say anything more. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. So, next we have Best Original Screenplay. So my winner for Best Original Screenplay is The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Same here. Same here. I think Western that's Sturgis will not be denied. One of the best screenplays ever. So funny. And like, you know, barb after barb and just um, so tight as well. I mean, he was a master. Yeah. So next we have Best Supporting Actress. So this was a tough one for me actually to decide on a um, winner, but after kind of a lot of back and forth, I think I'm actually going to go with Diana Lynn for The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Yeah, this was a rough category. Um, not rough as in the choices were bad, but just difficult to make a choice. Uh, I went with Jennifer Jones uh, with Since You Went Away. I think she's kind of an underrated old Hollywood actress, to be honest. I rarely kind of see her up with, you know, the other great actresses of the era, but I was really impressed with this performance. Yeah, I also went with Jennifer Jones and Since You Went Away. It's honestly one of my favorite portrayals of a teenager from this era. I just mm -hmm. believe how sincere and love-struck she is, and her on-screen bond with Claudette Colbert is so believable. Yes, I thought that was, the chemistry between those two is excellent. I also really yeah. like Jennifer Jones in this, and I actually did have her in my category at one stage, but I ultimately sort of felt that she really was a lead um, in the film. Um, so I ultimately had to leave her out. But she, I do agree that... Um, she is kind of underrated, an underrated presence. And yeah, this was a great performance, especially like when you um, 
sort of do a bit of digging and you sort of learn about some of the circumstances of the making of this film as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I know people will cite this a lot as like a huge early example of category fraud. And I do find it hilarious that she got nominated supporting after she won in lead the previous year for the song Bernadette. But I don't care. Like I said, I don't care that much about category fraud. So I decided to leave it as it is. And it's a great performance. So I'm cool for being rewarded no matter what. Yeah. So next we have Best Supporting Actor. Okay, so my winner for Best Supporting Actor is, of course, Edward G. Robinson in Double Indemnity. Okay, so it was so hard because Edward G. Robinson, of course, it's iconic. He was kind of, um, his performance is amazing. I did go with Monty Woolley since he went away, though. Sorry, Edward, I'm sorry. That is a good performance. Um, but I had to go with the obvious Edward G. Robinson and Double Indemnity. I know he's like amazing and iconic. I just I just thought the Willie character is a little bit more I don't want to say understated, but had a little bit more to work with. Um Robinson I think does a really good portrayal of a good man, you know kind of who's been kind of duped into this whole nasty kind of scenario but i i just thought the willy just maybe had a little bit more depth i i don't know i would also love to give a shout out to um william demarest who gave two really excellent performances in 1944 and i love his work in particular in the miracle yeah of morgan's creek yeah, his work with Preston Sturges is legendary and iconic. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for that sort of sequence um, where he uh, falls over on the balcony just for that fall alone, I would <laughs> give him an award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or that scene where he's like threatening Eddie Bracken with a gun. Oh, yeah. I mean, genius. Genius work. Yeah. And it's baffling that his only nomination was for the Jolson story. Uh. <laughs> mm. uh, choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, next we have Best Actress in Leading Role. Okay, so, um, probably my favorite category of the year and maybe of any year. Um, but my winner is uh, Barbara Stanwyck in Double Indemnity. Yeah, you kind of have to give her this. It's iconic. She's iconic. It's just the perfect femme fatale. It's, I think, the apex of her career. My hot take is I'm not the biggest fan of the Lady Eve, even though she's great in that too. And she needs an Oscar, so yes. I might have considered if I haven't hadn't already given her one, uh, even though it was all, even though it was like in the 1930s when I gave her an alternate Oscar. But I had to go with the actual winner, Ingrid Bergman in Gaslight, 
it was a tough decision. And Barbara Stanwyck is wholly deserving, but Ingrid Bergman, I just couldn't deny her. She would get a win for me for probably Notorious. And I think she's excellent in Gaslight. But I'm kind of with you where I'm like, if I, in the Oscar kind of, if I was dictator of the world, um, Bergman would probably get her Oscar for either um, Notorious or, even though it wouldn't be eligible, Autumn Sonata. Mm. Yeah, Notorious would have also been deserving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notorious is also my probably my favorite um, Ingrid Bergman, but I do love her work in Gaslight. I think it's, you know, mm-hmm. super expressive. Um, uh, it's you know, she's basically in, you know, almost every scene of the film and uh, she's incredibly captivating, not to mention, like, she looks absolutely stunning. Um, and, yeah, her performance is um, super captivating and the way she tracks the sort of psychological journey is really interesting. But, yes, um, it's hard to go past Barbara Samwick's, um work in this film. It's... You know, iconic for a very good reason and it's such a um delicious portrayal though i do want to give a shout out to um betty hutton who i think um gives a phenomenal comic performance in the miracle of walden's creek and it was a super yeah. screen presence as well and then yeah. i want to give a shout out to also colbert who i think is just fantastic in uh, her film doing i think a little bit of a different role for her than what we kind of associate her with and I yeah. just think it's wonderful. Yeah, I think that most people uh, most people associate her with her comedies, which yes. obviously for good reason. Like, she has so many classic comedies under her belt. It happened one night, midnight, uh, the Palm Beach story. I'm sure I'm missing others, but yeah. But yeah, and I think. Oh, sorry. I just. Um, think... I was... I'm sorry. You go ahead. I think it's such, she still brings kind of that screwball energy to the role, but she kind of channels it into drama, if that makes sense. But she still brings her very sort of unique kind of movie star charisma, and it works really well. Yeah, I do see those. And I do think this role proves how capable she is as a a dramatic actress, Mm -hmm. just as much as a comedic performer. I agree. So next we have Best Actor in a Leading Role. Okay, so um, my winner for Best Actor in a Leading Role, um, and again, there are a couple of choices here I felt I could have made, but I ultimately went with Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity. I struggled with that with this one. Um, it's not my favorite category out of all of them. I did it with Cary Grant, though. I think it's a fantastic comedic performance of his. Um, and I think it's a good year to reward him. What uh, excellent choices. So my winner is Charles Boyer in Gaslight. Right. It's, yeah. It's one of those performances that, again, captivates just as much as Ingrid Brookman. And 
you can just notice from the offset that something isn't quite right, but he draws you in and makes you understand why yeah. England... He influenced oh. a whole internet term usage, gaslighting. Where would, where would the internet yeah. be without his character? Yeah, definitely. And the final scene he has thing with Bergman yeah. is brilliant. And yeah, it's just a great performance all around. And I think um, one of the better uses from Hollywood of the distinctive Boyer charm. Yeah, definitely. And he was a, um, a very particular kind of screen presence. And um, I guess the sort of way they played with his, I don't know, foreignness, which is such a kind of bad way of putting it, but um, uh, he was very unique. Um, and he's definitely put to great use in his role in Gaslight, um, using his sort of suaveness uh, as a weapon. Yeah. So next we have Best Director. Um, again, this is like so competitive, but I've gone for um, Billy Wilder for Double Indemnity. I wanted to tie... I. I was kind of going back and forth between Preminger and Wilder. I was going to do Preminger. I think rethinking I'm going to have to do Wilder, though, as a winner. Ooh. You could definitely do a tie if you wanted, but mm -hmm. it's up to you. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to tie them then. Yeah, I'm going to tie them. Yeah. And a deserving tie. Yes. But my winner is Billy Wilder and Dumb uh, Billy Wilder for Double Indemnity. And you just can't go wrong with one of the greatest film wars of all time and the genius behind it. I agree. So next we have the big one, Best Picture. Ooh, I have a feeling I know which one we're going to pick. But <laughs> um, I will start. And yes, I have gone with, um, for the best picture of 1944, Double Indemnity. Same here. Same here. Yay. It, <laughs> yeah. I guess there's not much you can say about it that hasn't already been said. It's it's a great encapsulation of into the desire to veer into the dangerous and the reckless and just move away from what you might consider more mundane. It's also just... Oh, oh go sorry. ahead. Now you go. I think it's an excellent look at selfishness I think in which both of the two main characters embody in different ways and the ways in which you know at the root of all evil is sort of greed and self-absorption and putting ourselves first absolutely and 
and I was re I recently watched like videos of a, a recent murder that happened a couple of years ago where a man killed his entire his wife and his children to be with his mistress and I'm just I just find connections that I make so fascinating how this movie plays on like I said the human desire to do the selfish and it's, it's I think it's for that reason that it isn't urged so much honestly beyond all the other reasons yeah and I yeah. think like as a text it's it's um a great embodiment of its genre and it stands atop of the um you know greatest film noirs of all time and it feels right to sort of celebrate that um and it yeah it's such an interesting depiction of um duality which i think everyone can sort of recognize even though they go to extremes within the film um it's just uh, an impeccable display of craft as well on every level and i think that's why the film holds up because the writing is excellent and it's directed within an inch of its life and the acting is super strong. Um, and I also think it's, it's a, it's a great film to uh, get into classic Hollywood cinema through. I think it's pretty accessible. Um, and I think it's, you know, got a lot of appeal uh, to, you know, all kinds of demographics. It's just insanely watchable. Um, and it's just a brilliant movie. I agree. And yeah, I think it is one of the reasons I think its appeal is that it's has such dark subject matter, yet it's so funny and watchable. And it's, I think, has a lot with Billy Wilder's other movies like Ace in the Hole, which is really such a dark story. But the way he just paces and the dialogue and the way it's presented, it's just endlessly entertaining. Yeah, I think yeah, that is definitely what made Billy Wilder such a unique director and what makes his movies so eminently watchable. His ability to mine humor out of the darkest situations. Yeah. So... I guess, do we want to talk about the actual Best Picture winner from this year? I haven't seen it. I know the song, uh, but I haven't seen it. Ah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, and, I can understand the win in a, in a sense. I think given the time period, um, I think, you know, people maybe wanted some kind of, uh, like, levity or... Um, you know, a star like Bing Crosby at the time had a certain um, watchability and, um, yeah, sort of, you know, seeing this sort of back and forth with the priest. And, you know, like it's, it's certainly a solid film. It's, you know, it's not necessarily bad by any means. Um, it's just sort of nice. And I think that's, you know, kind of the word that best describes it. I, and I think for that reason, it hasn't really stuck around in the sort of cultural uh, consciousness. 
Um, and I, you know, it, it won like seven Academy Awards. And I, I definitely think that is very excessive for the yes. kind of film it is. I agree, even though I haven't seen it, but just I read a little bit about it and I agree. Yeah. Um, as you said, it definitely makes sense in the context of 1944, like coming off of like looking at our past two Best Picture winners, Mrs. Miniver and Casablanca, which dealt with the effects of the war in different ways. Like, the analogy I would make is like what um, the Angel Runner Up is podcast episode on 1968 when they were talking about Oliver and why that one. Basically, maybe a different film might have won had the last two Best Picture winners not been war movies. I know Casablanca is more of a romance movie, but it does feature the backdrop of the war. And Going My Way was definitely like a feel-good, delightful, just fun, sentimental, joyous diversion that we all needed at the time. And so, yeah, it, I definitely understand it. I don't think it holds up that much. Um, like, uh, I don't really like Bing Crosby. Um, yeah, neither, to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he just comes off as, like, some smug creep, and... And he also, he definitely, all intents and purposes, wasn't a very nice human being. By the yeah, <laughs> yeah, um... That's a lot of men from the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, honestly, it might have been a bit more tolerable for me if Bing Crosby was not the main attraction, but he is, and that kind of sank it for me. Um, a Barry Fitzgerald is good. Like, yeah, and obviously holds the like his, distinction of being nominated in both the Best Actor category and the Best Supporting Actor category, which never happened again. Um, but there was an interesting outcome in the voting. Yeah. Like, they love this movie, clearly. So I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, uh, it's definitely... Um, yeah, it is more interesting as, like, a capsule in time than it is as a movie that we regard nowadays. Yes, for sure. And I think most people that are going to watch it now probably are looking to it as, um, you know, a piece of film history or academy history. I don't know if it really holds any sort of other place in culture. Um beyond that, uh, un, you know, not in the way that other films of this era or even this year do. Yeah. Um, and then 
I guess the other film we could talk about from this year was Wilson. Um, which... <laughs> yeah, is not worth anyone's time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, even giving it the sort of colour cinematography mention felt a little generous. Um, um, I, I didn't... Well, it's... I was fine with the cinematography nomination, if not the win, but other than that, there's really nothing to it. It's just... A cure for insomnia, mm. a dull slog, and a rather depressing example of like how the academy's never really changed. Like people complain about all these boring prestige biopics. Look back to 1944 and Wilson. Yeah. Um. Yes, it's <laughs> it's. It answers the question of, you know, whether Woodrow Wilson was boring and it means that this <laughs> film would answer that, yes, he was. Yeah. And it kind of tries to give you, like, this hagiographic, um, like, all-American good portrayal of um, a pretty awful person in real life. Yeah, I, yeah, it's... It's... Very didactic and just like you know, it's one of these films where yeah, like you're better off kind of just reading the Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess we just have some audience questions. So we have just two, so we can get them pretty quickly. Um, so. From Chauncey Talese, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. If the Oscars were redone, do you, um, how do you think the um, would there be a bigger discrepancy between the picture and director nominees? Only two best picture nominees were up for a director. Um, well, I mean, I think going off our own personal selections, no, I think there would be far more crossover. Um, I mean, I think it's always interesting when you have such a discrepancy. Um, I think more than anything, it's, it's just sad that um, uh, like, uh, Laura and um, Lifeboat were left out as I think they would have made stronger nominees than, say, Going My Way and Wilson. Yeah, definitely. I think there's sort of discrepancy. Oh. There you go. Um, I think the sort of discrepancy between picture and director is not was not necessarily new even back then, and it's certainly not new now. And as usual, the director nominees can tend to be more inspired than the actual best picture nominees. Yes, agreed. Um, I do think the omission of Laura is particularly unforgivable in Best Picture. Yeah. I guess the only explanation for that is they already had double indemnity and they didn't want to nominate two film noirs. 
Yeah, and I think there was already a bias against film noirs, and it was like, okay, we can do double indemnity, but we're not going to let the other one in. Yeah. Or any others beyond that, going forward, for that matter. Um, so this is from Fritz and the Oscars. Do you think after Mrs. Miniver and Casablanca, there was war fatigue in the Academy? Yeah, I think so. I think it seems like they were going for more um, escapist um, type material other than, I say, like, you know, Wilson and Since You Went Away are more, um, have, I guess, more overt political bent. Um, I, I think there's room to argue that it, thematically it's still present in the other films that sort of look at, you know, corruption and deception. But um, in terms of the ultimate outcome, I think that's definitely an explanation for um, going my way's win. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is sort of an academy tendency to just um, hop on some timely topic and then subsequently throw it out when they feel we've taken care of it already. like will reward the best years of our lives because it um, focuses on the aftermath of the war. And then, eh, we'll forget about it. The war doesn't matter. It's over. Let's just move on to whatever next we have. Um, and that sort of trend. But, yeah. Yeah. So... Do we have any uh, final thoughts on this year as a whole? I think it's a very good year. And so do I. I think that, yeah, there's definitely some of the sort of greatest American films made in this year. Um, and I would particularly urge people to check out um, The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, which I think is maybe one of the lesser um, known to wider audiences. Um, films, but it is so enjoyable. Yeah, so um, I would agree with all that. So thank you both for agreeing to um, appear on this episode podcast. I really enjoyed having you on here. This was such a fun year to talk about. So yeah. Thank you so much. It was so great to revisit the films of this year. Yeah, thank you. So, um, how can we find you both on social media and the internet? Oh, I have a Twitter account. <laughs> I say a lot of stupid stuff. Mocha to the unknown. Um, so, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew JT Fraser. Um, and I'm also on Letterboxd at Andrew JT Fraser or Andrew underscore Fraser, um, where I don't post as much, but um, you can still find me there. Um, and yeah, I love talking about films and the Oscars. And this was such a delight. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe the Joker with some underscores. You can find me on Instagram at Gabe Corn with a single underscore. You can find me on Letterboxd as Mr. Hulo. Be sure to follow the um, 
the Alternate Oscars Twitter page at Alternate Oscars. I am also a contributor for Keith Loves Movies, and be sure to read my reviews as well as those of my colleagues. Um, be sure to rate and review this podcast to help with visibility and subscribe through whatever server you use. And until the next episode, sit back and relax, cheers and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the Alternate Oscars. All right.